telling stories from the EGA Clubhouse. Hi, everyone, and welcome to EGA's podcast, Telling Stories from the Clubhouse. My name is Cecile Hamlevetje, and I'm the Managing Director of EGA. Today's guest is Josh Pine, the Chief Revenue Officer of XLA. Welcome, Josh. Hey there. I'm very happy to be here. I, uh, I I love what the EGA is doing, and and so happy to be a part of this, and and um, you know expand a little bit about what we're we're doing, which is pretty exciting stuff. Awesome. Well, let's get going. So, Josh, before we get started, uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Awesome. Um, so I've been in the kind of home entertainment, home media space for better part of twenty five plus years. Um, I ran business development um, for divisions of Technicolor and uh, three different divisions of Sony, including most recently um, uh, Sony Pictures, where I, I ran uh, digital distribution, global digital distribution for all the third-party content under the umbrella of distribution solutions, um, and where I, I really came into being in contact with the whole localization world um, because we were distributing content all over the world, um, and so having this chance to come to XLA. Uh, allow me to really expand on that and, um, and and really bring content to people all over the world and break down barriers. So it's a, it it was just a super exciting opportunity when it when it came to be. Um, oh, I was just about to say you guys are based <laughs> in uh, Silicon Valley, right? Yeah, I mean, technically, so technically we are a Silicon Valley based uh, tech co- AI tech company. Um, that's where a lot of the technical development and whatnot happens, and, and the, our CTO and our CEO are there. Um, I'm the, the, the CRO, and my commercial team that I built is based here in Los Angeles. And then we also have um, engineering offices and sales offices in Seoul, Korea as well. Cool. And so, you know, in the tech world, um, the, the X kind of stands for trans. So, uh, XLate really is just a play on translate. Um, it, which people say, oh yeah, wow, I get that now, but uh, is, is not not always so recognizable. So I have to I have to spit that out. But um, we were founded um, in in 2019 by uh, by by two guys with with um, some really solid experience in the in the tech world who um, have advanced degrees, PhDs in computer science from Columbia University. Uh, one went on to uh, to basically um, run the intersection of SEO and translation at Google and, and the other a similar position at Apple. So we know a thing or two about the translation industry, if you will. So uh, what makes Exalate different from other machine translation companies? So great, great question. Um, it, a couple things. Um, we had the benefit of kind of being born um, from one of the major, um, one of the world's largest uh, localization providers. And in context with that, before we really had a commercial effort, we were able to really train our engines from the ground up specifically on media and entertainment focused content. And that is then uh, hand curated in the post-edit process by professional translators. So what that means is as, as, you, as, as you build out and train your engines, let's say the, the engine gets, um, gets the first pass right to about a 70, 80%, 80 percentage accuracy, a human professional post editor comes in and post edits that that perfect that makes it perfect. That perfect piece is then fed back through the system thousands and thousands and thousands or millions of times. The, the machine learns at a lot faster rate and in, 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 in a sequence that is specifically designed for media and entertainment content. It's not diluted the way other 
uh, mass market machine translation engines are with medical and legal and travel and and just other stuff that's scraped off the web. We we really have concentrated what we've built uh, specifically for media and entertainment um, translation and workflow on top of that as well. So that that's kind of the secret sauce in what we do. And I think how we are differentiated from anybody else out there in the media and entertainment space specifically. And tell me a little bit about how your new MediaCat platform plays into that. So the MediaCat platform um, is really something that takes the, the backbone of what we do in, in translation and subtitling and that workflow and takes it to media and entertainment companies and, and translation localization companies where, where we are an engine driving what they do um, and, and allows for a much better, uh, a much more efficient workflow. In the end, it really um, can take as much as as 30% uh, out of the cost and increase uh, workflow by by well over thirty percent as as well. Um, it's been a it's been a huge success since we released it just after after IBC, um, and and like I said, it, it allows a much more integrated workflow uh, as opposed to having to uh, previously with other you know, machine translation engines and workflow engines um, bring content in, export it out, bring it back in again. It allows for pretty much a seamless process um, from from the beginning of the process all the way through the through the output. In your experience, how are advancements in AI changing our industry, and particularly, you know, for streaming and live broadcast entertainment? Sure. Um, in my opinion, it's it's allowing a, a few things. One, the proliferation of content that people watch. Um, if there, I hate to say this, but if there's any benefit that came out of COVID, um, we as a as a planet have discovered there's great content from all over the world, not just locally where we where we grow up. And we have to keep up with that that demand. That's not going to go away, in my opinion, anytime soon. People have come to love content from all over the place. They're discovering new sports that might not be the NFL or the NBA, but could be, you know, hand gliding or or karate or whatever, and um, coming from all sorts of different places. And, and to handle that 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 huge expansion in content that people are watching all over the world, there's just not enough human beings to to translate and, and localize all of it. So. To keep up with that insatiable demand, um, you, you have to turn to technology. You know, there, there's just there's a there's a finite amount of human beings on the face of the planet. There's an even smaller subset of, of translators that can that that can translate all this stuff, and it's it's our job really to um, help those efficiencies uh, and and help these these translators and and, and localization companies um, expand uh, their businesses, not take away anything really, and. Um, by by doing that, they they can increase their efficiencies, their workflows, their billing, and 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 pump out more content that um, that otherwise was was not viewable three years ago because the bandwidth just wasn't there. I think we we, we increased that bandwidth, allowing people to watch stuff in in languages that that just people never thought would ever be localized. Right, and you know we've seen that obviously a lot during the pandemic. Uh, so, what do you think the demand for uh, international language content will look like in the future? I think it's only going to expand, and I think we've proved that. Look, people are back to traveling. People are back to going into offices. People are largely putting the pandemic behind them, but yet we're still watching all the stuff that we watched when we were when we were holed up at home. People have realized, oh my God, Korea is producing fantastic content that we have to watch. Um, who knew that that the Latin American market loves the Turkish telenovelas that Turkey is producing? 
those aren't going away. We know that there's great content all over the place. When I was growing up here in, in the LA area, I remember as a kid, if you wanted to watch foreign content, my parents used to drag me down to the little local foreign cinema, uh, you know, on a Friday or Saturday night. And, and, and on Friday, Saturday night it was maybe a quarter full, maybe half full. Right. I, and you were considered, you know, really kind of highfalutin society if you go watch foreign cinema now. Um, right. But but now it's become the norm and, and, and everybody's talking about, did you watch this from Norway? Did you watch that from, uh, you know, from from China or wherever? And and um, things are taking on a life of their own. And that's the beauty of, of discovering stuff from all over the world. It almost uh, helps when. You know, people have a desire to travel, and if you can't get out, you bring it to them, and 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 learning, you know, new new cultures and new and new content. Um, you know, for for me, the majority of of my time in, in localization early on was eighty percent of the world's content that got localized was from English to other languages. That's right. now coming closer to fifty percent in each direction, which is really fantastic, and that's not going away anytime soon. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think it's amazing. But you know, what do you think that really means for subtitle content then? So it's a it's kind of a a, a, a twofold thing with subtitle content. One, the subtitle content, whether it's in the original language or a, a different language, the the whole younger generation, and I have four kids who are perfect subjects of this, ranging from twenty two to twenty eight. Just about everything they watch, they watch with the subtitles, even in their, their native languages because they're they're multitasking or maybe they don't understand accents or there's too much noise or it just helps them concentrate better. So that is a big part of what's driving the whole subtitling world in addition to stuff going back and forth um, to, to different territories and different languages and different countries. So those are the two sides that that, that drive it, right? It, it's exploiting content in territories that content never was exploited before and that the there's a whole new generation that watch things differently than than the way I did growing up. Yeah. And uh, do you think that there's still uh, untapped opportunities in localization or or is it pretty are we getting to a point where it's uh it's pretty, you know. No, I think there's tons of opportunities. I mean, one of the things that 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 is is a big growing part of our business is the live interpretation and live broadcast. Um, it's really cool um, to be able to, I just got back from Sporttel in Monaco and, and we were also, um, we were featured in the Zixi booth at, at IBC where, you know, we can, um, we can live stream subtitles from a, from a broadcast feed in up to 60 languages simultaneously. Um, imagine hiring 60 stenographers in those different languages and doing that. I mean, that's just massively cost prohibitive, but now you could take content that's not an NFL Super Bowl or a you know a big NBA game where there's millions of dollars in advertising and you can pay people to do this stuff, but you can have you know really awesome sports that that can now be um, broadcast all over the world simultaneously in 60 languages, let's say for you know for a really minimal cost. So those 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 barriers haven't even begun to be broken down yet, and we're just at the tipping point of breaking stuff like that wide open and and there's there's tons of other areas that we're exploring as well i think i think we're just at the infancy of what we can do with localization utilizing ai yeah and then um i know you just mentioned sportel monaco and ipc i also know you recently went to mipcom you know how are those markets responding to this ar powered machine translation so great question. Let's let's start with MIPCOM and and even here in LA this week at the at the American film market. You know, there's a ton of content out there that has never been 
monetized outside of VHS, DVD, and maybe a little bit on Blu-ray, um, and 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 monetized out not monetized outside of even the U.S. or their local languages because it's been way too cost prohibitive. On top of that, you have um, a shift in in how viewers or sorry, I take that back. You have a shift in how the content owners and distributors get paid when they distribute content into a lot of these markets. We've gone from a world of the Netflixes and Hulus and Amazons, what we call SVOD, where you have a flat fee or a license fee for selling that content into that platform over a period of time. And you know exactly what your ROI will be, and then you can determine if you're going to localize it or not. But in the new world of what we call faster, the free advertising supported television and the CTV, the connected TVs, your Samsung pluses and your, your Vizio smartcast and stuff, all that content that goes into those channels are on rev share and you get paid, you get paid say 90 days later based on um, the advert advertising revenue and stuff. And so you're kind of shooting in the dark sometimes when you go to monetize content in those places. And are you going to really spend um, you know, a boatload of money to go into markets that you have no idea if you're going to get paid back? So uh, the, the reception to, to utilizing a, a tool like ours is is it makes available the ability to monetize content that they never ever thought possible or would just never have monetized. I mean, there there are some big uh, both studios and 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 other major content owners that have five, six, ten thousand titles in their catalogs that have never been on a streaming platform. So um, it it completely changes the ability to monetize that kind of content. In right. regards to right, and in regards to the to the sport tells and as you suggested, kind of as I said before, it's the ability to um, to stream live sports or other live broadcasts in in multiple languages uh, at a much higher quality rate than than, than human sonographers can do, um, and do it simultaneously um, in, in several languages, up to sixty languages at the same time, and growing our language pairs are growing by the day. So that 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 created a ton of buzz and excitement. Right. And then, you know, kind of as you alluded to right now, there's not really uh, currently not linguist uh, for the demand. You know, what's kind of your thoughts on that? Yeah. And I, and I want to and, and I, I'm so happy you asked that because I really want to make something clear. Our business is not designed to take linguist jobs away. There's there's a, there's just all this talk in the industry that that um, machine translation is going to replace linguists. And we have at least our company and the way I say see things from a commercial standpoint. That has never, ever been our intent. In fact, it's the exact opposite. What we try and do is, is create a product that gives more efficiency to the linguists, that gives them more leeway um, in, in the post-edit process and gives them time to take on more work. What they used to be able to do in three days, they can do in a half a day now and take on five more projects in that same time period. And, and their world expands because there's so much content that needs to be localized. And, um, and, and and we've proven this. It's not just me saying this. We have now had the opportunity to work with a lot of the major LSPs around the world who have come to us and said, wow, you know, we were we were really against this and our linguists were really against this to start. But um, now the linguists are saying to us, my God, our world has expanded and we can take on more work. This is really great. And and, um, and that makes us super happy. But how do you strike that, you know, balance between AI and human translation? And what is the right balance? I think we're still figuring that out, and I think we have to we have to segment content that belongs in one in in different buckets, right? Um, for Hollywood tentpole titles, it's got to be 100% perfect, and you know, got a hundred million dollar production budget, it's got to be perfect. And so, in that case, you kind of use AI as a as a tool to help get you there and help the efficiencies and throughput. 
but it's got to have a lot of human interaction to make it, you know, 100% perfect. In in the aforementioned, uh, my aforementioned uh, references to catalog content and older content that's never been monetized, um, where you you're making the decision to either not monetize it at all or spend a lot less money and monetize it and maybe still have a human involved, but to a little lesser extent, or just utilize uh, what the AI does just in and of itself alone. You know, if it's hitting 85, 95% accuracies, that's a decision you make based on the anticipated revenue you're going to get out of um, out of the projects that, that you're doing. So I think we're going to see multiple um, avenues and, and revenue streams uh, unfold based on the type of content and where it's going and how it's being viewed. Right. Um, so we're running out of time, Joss, but I do want to give you an opportunity to kind of share any last thought you have on, um, you know, your technology um, and how, you know, your solutions can help uh, other companies. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's really just just kind of re-going over, you know, what we've been talking about. Um, we're here to help increase uh, our customers' workflow and their workload while decreasing their costs. We all know that inflation is running rampant, so so um, LSPs and, and other content distribution companies, their costs are going up. The costs uh, to pay the linguists themselves are going up. So we have to take a look at how we take costs out and increase the throughput, which just helps everybody. And, and that's a big part of, of what we're here to do. Um, and like I say, we're also here to help content creators and distributors monetize content that otherwise they would never have considered monetizing before. Um, and, and part of that's just because the distribution distribution methods uh, have changed and um, we help take that that pressure off. Um, you know, if you look at it all in all those directions and plus the um, the, the new spaces in, in broadcast and live interpretation, um, it's a it's a whole new world out there. And we're like super excited to be a part of that. Well, we're, we're super excited to have you guys in the EGA, of course. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time, but uh, thank you so much for joining me today, Joss, and to everyone who took the time to listen today. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing people at, at EGA's events coming up and um, answering any questions either there or offline. All right. See you guys next time. Take care. Join us next time when we share more stories about elevating the art and science of global storytelling.